I was uh, on the back of the train under the uh, a lorry's wheel. Okay, literally just sitting by the wheel. I don't know how to describe how I felt at the time. And I really wanted to die. That's it. Because I had enough of everything, okay? If the police called me at the time, I wouldn't be here right now. I was feeling like, I want to kill myself, but not going to let these police to catch me. I'm talking about death. Okay, death. I probably died quite a few times. Back alive, okay? Just to get to where you want. Just to get where you could have a life, where you could be a human. Hello, my name is Ali. I am the lucky one. I am the lucky one because I'm here and I'm safe. Ali entered Britain via the Channel Tunnel in 2001, but he wasn't riding in the passenger compartment. He was a stowaway on a Eurotunnel freight train, and we went to Folkestone so he could show me where his story began. We stood on a public footpath and leaned against a chain-link fence, looking at the mouth of the tunnel. There's a train going by right now. Yeah. You were inside one of them. I was uh, on the back of the train under the uh, a lorry's wheel. I kept literally just sitting by the wheel. As you came out of the tunnel, what did you see? Obviously, I've seen a light there, and uh, I've seen a police car standing right by the tunnel's door, whatever. The minute they spot me, then uh, they stopped moving on the platform with their car alongside me while I was on the train, till the train stopped. And when the train stops, then they just call me out, right? Whatever they said in English, but I took it as they called me out and asked me to, to go to them. And you had no idea what they were saying to you? No, 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 no nothing at all. I wish. Did you think that they were saying hello? Uh, no, because I, I, I just thought nothing about it. Then uh, one of them started to name countries. Okay, they said, uh, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan. Then when he, when he gets to Afghanistan, then I said, I pointed, yeah, yeah, Afghanistan, right? It was here, uh, such as this little room, when they, the police first put me in. There are 100,000 signatures on the wall, okay? And uh, there was a pen, actually. Not chair, nothing like that, okay? There, but there was a pen there. So I just picked up a pen and signed the signature and wrote a couple of poems, a happy poem. A happy poem? Yeah. Come on, man, you've just been arrested. You wrote a happy poem? Well, you know, you, you get where you want it to. So you feel kind of, OK, I'm, I'm here now. Yeah. You, you had no idea that the tough times were only just beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Ali entered the system, from police custody in Dover to social services, from hostel to finally being housed on the other side of Kent in Gravesend. Oh, man, this is uh, good. This is good to be back here. What's interesting is this is a top floor flat, but what's it above? Uh, it's above the pub. <laughs> so I have to ask you, you're living above a public house. Yeah. Now, you're a good Muslim. Did you go into the pub? 
<laughs> no, no, I didn't, I didn't go down the pub, no. But I used to see a lot of people moving inside and out. But What did you do for food? What did you do for money? We used to get about 15 pounds a week. Because we used to buy food, okay, for a week, and also buy a phone card to make a phone call. I went to look for a corner shop and I found a corner shop. So I went inside the corner shop uh, to look for eggs and I went round the shelf and uh, I see no eggs. And I went round the shelf again. Okay, so I did that three times. This uh, lady and a gentleman just look at me and asked me to go to him and stopped me by the door. He said anything in English, okay, I didn't understand. After 10, 15 minutes, police turn up. They got the interpreter, and then uh, I found out I was arrested for, for being a thief, okay? You're sort of on your own for the first time yeah. since you arrived in Britain. Yeah. Did you ever get really homesick? It was very difficult, okay? It was very difficult. Uh, but, you know, Michael, you eventually get there, you know? Uh, after a while, you gotta adopt yourself. Uh, into the society, but still, you know, you, you are kind of find, uh, finding yourself in a completely new country, new culture, you know, and um, difficult uh, to, um, to understand that culture and difficult for you to even walk on the street because, I mean, in a way, you don't want to uh, disturb anyone. So and you don't want to call attention to yourself. Yeah, yeah. The more you get to know people in the society or about the society, then eventually you'll be visible. There was lots of wishes, you know, to, to have a better life. Yeah. And thinking how these people earn this money or they, they've got a car, you know, they probably have their own accommodation, their own houses, okay? So just, just wishing for that. But the only way to start down the path to make those dreams come true was to start speaking in English to one of the Gravesend locals. The first person I spoke in Gravesend, uh, I think it was a girl. No. <laughs> you know, I just said, hey, how are you, you know? And, uh, yeah, I didn't understand the response. So, well, I just looked at her. Because <laughs> I didn't understand what, was, what, what she was talking about. You're listening to From Cobble to Kent on BBC Radio 5 Live. Ali can laugh now. He's always facing forward. Because looking back, that's hard. The memories are painful and buried deep. He left home at the age of 14 and two years later found himself in the notorious Sangat refugee camp outside Calais in France. It was not a pleasure trip. I took Ali back to Sangat it was the first time he had visited the area since he arrived in Britain. I wanted to jog his memory and learn more about his journey. We're in Sangat. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just looking up at a green hillside, some mustard fields, bright yellow. There's some sheep over in the pen next to where we're standing. Does this look familiar to you at all? No, not really. Sangat was the place where the tide of refugees was dammed up by the almost unbreachable barrier of the English Channel. There were loads of refugees there, loads. 
uh, it was over a thousand people there, like a massive camp. And there was a caravans just right opposite the entrance, okay, where you would register yourself. And that's it. And then you just find yourself a bed. It's all gone now. No trace left, except in Ali's hazy memory. When, what month, how he got there, all he remembers is he made it to Calais by train. We had a ticket given to us and by the person who, I would say by the agent, who, who actually you know, brought us, yeah. An agent? Oh, well, I call it the agent, yeah. This was a, a kind of people smuggler or something? Obviously, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's what their job so was it a through ticket from Afghanistan, or, or did you pay for it in some other place? <laughs> well, uh, you never know. You never know. It is tough because you never know the people, OK? You never get to know the people. After two years walking, riding in lorries, getting beaten up, Ali settled into Sangat for what he hoped would be a short stay. It was no easier than life on the road. It was a tough time, okay? It was a tough time in the camp. I mean, anything could happen. I mean, there were people stabbed in the camp. There were people killed because of a single look at each other. So you worked in a kitchen there for a bit? You spend days and nights without food, okay? And you are that hunger. You want to just eat anything. So I was very lucky to get into the kitchen. But after two and a half months, you, you decided the time was right. You had to go. You had to make the break. You were ready. So then one day, it was, it was raining badly. And it was about, well, after, after breakfast, okay, it was about nine o'clock. I decided to get out of the camp. And I came out. And I met a few people on, on the way, and they asked me, where are you going, boy? And then I said, look, I'm just walking around. And they kept shouting. They said, hey, I know, you want to get into the railway, right? Yeah, you want to go to England? And a few of them came to me and said, look, you better not go there right now, OK? When it gets darkness, then just move on. If you go now and you get caught, you'll be in trouble. You'll be in prison and you'll be beaten up or whatever. But I just didn't listen to them, just didn't listen. And then walked through open fields and till I got over the bridge, okay, where I could see the tunnel. I found the fence. It was broken, okay? And I, I felt like the police were actually watching me and then uh, I got myself, after a good few hours, I got myself into the tunnel because I heard that the train slowed down in the tunnel. I heard that in Sangut camp, okay? I stayed in the tunnel till uh, five, six o'clock evening. So which means all day, really, I'm about a good, good five, six hours. and. Uh, and no trains slowed down. So I was just scared. So how did you ultimately get on the train? I walked back all the way to railway station. That took me about 
few hours. Then uh, finally, I got to the railway station under the platform. I sat down there, felt so tired, so hungry, which I fallen asleep. And once I woke up, I've heard loads of noise. And I could hear the trains starting in Jinan and kind of moving, stop moving now. And then I'd just sneak out my head and then look at the train that just jumped on the platform and jumped on the train. While there were about 50 policemen, 100 people on my right hand, two meters away from me. And a couple of policemen just came towards me, tried to catch me from there. And then I just, I was lucky enough to get on the train. So you got on the train. I'll go on the train now, okay? Yeah. And the train is stopped moving faster and faster till it gets to the tunnel and it is slowed down. Where I was waiting all day to get on the train, okay? It slowed down there. And then I said, oh my God, these trains only stop for me, right? And I saw the police car coming through, uh, you know, towards the train. I said, um, what the hell's going on? You know, come on, I'm the only one. Let me get in, you know, let me get on. This was the train that shuttles, you know, lorries back and forth. It wasn't the passenger train. So it's like an open-sided car. You jumped on, got underneath the lorry. I got underneath the lorry and sat down by the wheels. But the train finally slowed down there and completely stopped. Where you'd been waiting all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how to describe how I felt at the time. And I really wanted to die. That's it. Because I had enough of everything, okay? That was a time. If the police called me at the time, I wouldn't be here right now. I was feeling like I want to kill myself, but not going to let these police to catch me. When the police got closer to the train, and the train stopped moving. And I, I breathed out and in deeply, and I said, oh my God, honestly. And then eventually I found myself in the darkness, okay, in the tunnel. That is an unbelievable story. You haven't thought about that in a long time, have you? Oh, man. Um, no, no, no. I mean, it's, it's just so great to come back here. I would never thought that I would be back here 12 years later. Sangat is gone, but people still pay the smugglers, take the risks, and turn up in Calais, desperate to get to England. Nowadays, they hang out by the docks, hoping to jump on a lorry. We drove over to Calais. How are you, my friend? Hello, you're okay, fine. You're right. you okay? Yeah. Anyone from Afghanistan here? Yeah, Afghanistan. All of Afghanistan. All of Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Ali found some guys from Afghanistan sprawled out along some disused railroad tracks by the docks, waiting for a local charity to provide them with their one meal of the day. There's no food, nothing. They're coming in there, sitting for eating. Look, lots of, uh, not only Afghani people, the, all the black people, the uh, Lebanon, Iran, Pakistani, all of them sitting there waiting for food. It's a big problem. Ask them, did they know how much trouble it would be to get to a when they left Afghanistan? Okay. Shuma, قبل از اینکه از افغانستان بیاین نیستن. فکری امتحان روزی را کرده بودن؟ 
We walk towards the gates of an abandoned goods yard, the place where the evening meal would be served. Ali was shaking his head. Things seemed much worse for these guys than they were for him a dozen years ago. God knows how they spend the night here. I go without any shelters. 12 years ago, when I was here, because I, I, I told them I was here 12 years ago, it was a lot better. You had many chances and you had a better place to stay. And I said, yeah, uh, I stayed in a Sangut camp and I had there was a shelter. Yeah, the UK president is brown. It's very good. No Dewey Cameron. Dewey Cameron gets no good. It's a brown is I like. It's a good Labour Party. <laughs> the Labour government is I like. Now you'll never get in. The Labour government is there, I will like. You'll never yes. get in now. I'm That's sorry. That's Dewey Cameron. It's no good. I like the brown. I like the Tony Blair. For men with absolutely nothing, living rough in a country that doesn't want them, trying desperately to get into another country that wants them even less, there was a fair amount of laughter. Say that again. Who's the problem? The problem is English, please. You know, English control. Yeah, and also they are not giving chance to people. In four months, they have not given me one chance. What I will say to you, you are just, you know, like a journalist. If you are a controller and you are outside from that pants, then I will talking with you that today is my chance. <laughs> you know it's my turn. It's very good you can still make a joke. Yeah, joke, you know my hurts. It's, it's like just saying that this, inside my heart there is a lot of sorrow. Because of that I am saying this joking. This guy's heart has been filling with sorrow for several years. Overland from Afghanistan, eventually to Italy, then into France, deported back to Italy, and up to Calais again, trying hard to make it into England. No, I'm okay, man. You go get some. One of the refugee guys early on asked me to share the food with him. My heart just teared up. They've been waiting for this uh, piece of bread all day. But since last night, this time, just to get a piece of bread. I can understand how difficult situation there is. It is, Michael, a heartbreaking moment right now um, to see these guys. Oh, this is hard. I would, uh, I would never thought that uh, uh, it would have been this touching. Uh, it, it just reminds you of every single moment back in, back in 2000. I mean, We got back on the Eurotunnel train. This time, Ali was returning to England in style. He looked out the window. It's just amazing looking at this place, okay? Like, because uh, I was, <laughs> I was under, under that platform. <laughs> How can you just jump on back of the train? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't imagine myself. I did it. I don't know what kind of mentality would you have okay, to take that kind of risk to just try to get to England. 
you're in a very different place now. I am. Definitely, I'm... Um, yeah. And I'm happy to be. As the train rumbled slowly towards Kent, Ali finally opened up and told me how he came to risk his life. It was 1999. There was a civil war raging in Afghanistan. The Taliban came to Ali's village to press the villagers to fight for them. Imagine, you see, 20, 25 Taliban torn up, telling you off and, and want to uh, take you away, okay? And you haven't got the means to protect yourself. End of the day, you end up in, being in their hands. And they could, I would say, mobilize you anyhow. End of the day, if you are in front line, you do kill. If it, you don't, then you be killed yourself. Simple as that. But the most important bit is the first move. When you have those Taliban around, how are you going to defend yourself? You're going to let them to take you away or fight them with whatever you have. It could be your mom screaming at them, or you just take a knife, or just hide somewhere. Just use any means to fight them or, or get away from them somehow. But again, I was, I was the luckiest one, in a way, to fight them and be here. So getting here was like fighting them, you got away. It was a kind of fighting, yeah. It was a kind of fighting. Because if I was there, I mean, I know because many people were killed at the time, okay? Not long after me, I could have been one of them. No doubt. So when you left, you left behind your mother and father. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a chance to say goodbye to them? Did they bless you to go away? No, no, I didn't, I didn't get that chance. Because it was arranged by, by my uncle. And what happened to your mother and father? I don't know. I'm talking about death. Okay, death. I probably died quite a few times. Back alive. Okay? Just to get to where you want. Just to get where you could have a life, where you could be a human. But I was lucky. You're listening to From Kabul to Kent on Radio 5 Live. Coming up after the news and sport, we'll be training with a British Army unit as Ali helps soldiers prepare for deployment to Afghanistan.